mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting In Work, episode 148 of 8-Bits Interview Podcast. I'm your host, John O'Peck. We are powered by Audio-Technica and Manscaped. And this week, we have a great guest, fantastic guest, if I can say so myself. It's Jason Doyle, aka JD, the man who makes the magic happen over at No Dunks, the No Dunks podcast. I listen to these guys five or six times a week, however many episodes they do. JD's success story, I think, is really is a tale of trying new things, being willing to put yourself out there and grind away at something that hasn't got an obvious and guaranteed destination, but just trusting the process, trusting the talent and the hard work will pay off into something. If you've listened to this show for a while, you'd probably know at least the stories from Matt Austin in episode 52 and Lee Ellis in episode 70. Back then it was the starters, prior to that the Basketball Jones, but this group of dudes has been putting out the basketball-related content for 15 years. And I really think they're the best they are at what they do, and a big part of that is JD, who's on the show today. He's the guy who doesn't really care about basketball, funny enough. He cares about production, he cares about making a good show, entertaining funny, easy to listen to, and he does that by just running a tight ship, making everyone sound good, bringing that top-notch level of production quality through music and sound effects, and just making sure everything runs, which has been a huge curve between a small studio moving to NBA TV into a big studio, and now at No Dunks, a home studio again that was turned upside down by the pandemic into what we've all been doing, which is remote recording in separate locations, but You'd never know it from listening to these guys. If you've joined us as a fan of JD or No Dunks, I have to take the opportunity to encourage you to listen to Hoop Dreams, my NBA podcast, as well as Comedy Rewind, my 90s and 2000s comedy rewatch show, also part of the 8-Bit Network. But without further ado, here is Jason Doyle. Enjoy the show. JD, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to have you here. That's great to I don't know what I'm doing here. I uh, <laughs> just listened to uh, Molly Bittner, man. Uh, oh, yeah? You know, you got a NASA engineer, and now you have podcast producer. Wow, great. Well, that's that's kind of the <laughs> more of the average is the podcast producer uh, rather than the NASA scientist, you know. But that was cool. I just watched The Martian, and I was seeing, like, the JPL lab all the time. And I was like, hey, I know someone who works there. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. great. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, for people who don't know, you are, of course, the producer, director. You've got many hats that you wear over at No Dunks these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been actually three years and a month since I had Matt Matteo on the podcast talking okay. about his role with the starters at the time and, I guess, the origin story of uh, of the Basketball Jones. So, I thought it would be cool. You know, it's been a bit longer. You've done a lot since then. To mm-hmm. get your perspective on that journey uh, sure. from from someone who's been there since day zero, so <laughs> right. let's go. Th- you know, tell the origin story, the superhero origin story <laughs> of uh, Jason Doyle, and okay. I think we'll go even back, f- even before TBJ, okay, and talk about I guess how you ended up going back to college because you're a bit older than the other guys. You lived a life previous to podcasting 
you were your own international man of mystery at one point, uh, spending time in Australia and I think like Europe yeah. DJing. So tell me about what you were doing, like, I guess what your aspirations were at that point in your life as a young adult and how you ended up going back to, to study. Right. Uh, okay. So, um, this is going back a, a long way, I guess, because, uh, I, when I, I graduated in high school from high school in 1990 and, uh, I basically was, I, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I was, uh, well, I knew that I wanted to be some somehow in the arts. I wanted to be either a filmmaker or I wanted to play music for a living. Uh, and, it, you know, at the time, it wasn't as easy to get into filmmaking. There was m- massive barriers to get into that industry. What, uh, mm. Financially, A, and also just hard to break into... Uh, you know, you would have to go hang out on sets or whatever and, and, and get into... Uh, these or a television studio um and i just had no idea how to do that and that was like pre kevin smith as well yeah exactly and that whole indie scene yeah Mm -hmm. um so i was playing drums in a band at the time that i just started with and i'm like uh i don't want to waste a lot of money on university uh so i was like i'm gonna put everything i can into this band and see if i can you know make a go of it because I, you know, we were, we weren't bad. It was, uh, you know, it was 1990. We were sort of a grungy, um, sort of, uh, grateful daddy meets Nirvana type band. And, uh, you know, it was fun and it was fun as well. So, um, and I based, again, I just didn't want to waste money on university knowing that I, a wouldn't be into it. And I just had no plan at the end, you know, like I just didn't Mm want to get like a, an English degree and then, you know, and then figure it out from there and be in debt from from school. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, I pursued this band and I was just was like, uh, I'll regret it if I don't do try. Um, so I did, and I was in that band for ten years. And during that, basically the entire nineties, uh, I traveled. Uh, I went to, uh, as you said, I went to Australia. I went. I lived in Europe. And I was also in this band, and I and I took the band over to Greece for a time, and uh, we were the house band at this uh, cheesy, uh, kind of like a club med for for backpackers. And uh, mm-hmm. so we spent like we're two years playing as this band in Greece, which was awesome. It was just, but we weren't making any money. We weren't getting anywhere. Uh, and then I went back to, uh, and then we went back to Canada and we were having some success and, um, but eventually it just fell apart. Like, um, it was, uh, a complete failure, you could say, (laughs) but, um, but artistically it was a huge success in my mind because we recorded music. Um, we recorded like 71 songs over the, the, my time in the band, we shot a, a video and we got involved with other artists that were working at the time. Like um, we scored a pilot for a sketch uh, show, like a comedy sketch show right. and, and that kind of thing. And so, so I started meeting people who were more in the te- television video side. And I found that I was extremely limited as a drummer in a band creatively. Like I, I, I was in charge of the drums <laughs> in the, in the band and I was, co-producing our music but I wasn't in control of anything so I find I found that really frustrating and um and then I found that there was so many ways to be creative 
in the video landscape. Um, so I wanted to get into that. Uh, and eventually the band just fell apart and I found myself in the year 2000. So that's 10 years, um, with no education, really, um, a lot of real world education, but no real education. And, uh, with no, again, no plan. I took a big risk. I spent 10 years on this massive project that ended up failing ultimately. And I didn't know quite what to do. So I just went back to school, um, Hmm. which is where I met, Tass and Skeets and Matteo uh, at Ryerson. And um, I was fortunate enough to get into the radio television arts program at Ryerson. And that's where I met them. Um, yeah. Okay. That's and, cool. Yeah. So sorry. That's a long, a long winded. Uh, no, no. This is how I got to <laughs> university, age 30, <laughs> going to school. And I, that's where I met a 20 year old Tass Mellis. <laughs> And a 21-year-old J.E. Skeets, who I knew as Phil Elder at the time. Yeah. Good old Phil. Um, So I'm curious now that you've, you know, mentioned how kind of deep that experience went with with the band. Being involved in live music for so long, like pretty much everything that can go wrong will go wrong. And you have to be able to respond in real time because everyone's there live, right? So maybe without even connecting the dots how how much do you think that experience prepared you for the the next step in your career right like um like just be putting on shows i guess is that what you yeah. mean or, um, yeah but just like being able to keep the cool head and know like we have to maybe there was problems that you never had to run into because you'd seen what could go wrong oh. you knew that you had to be extra you know extra prepared and everything like that right yeah i mean uh preparedness it's one of those um you know, when you're playing live music in a, in a bar where there's alcohol involved and, um, <laughs> you know, every club is different, every place sounds different, uh, the people that you're working with at the bar are different, just the human interaction and the 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 learning to deal with people's, people's different uh, ways of doing things and little uh, picadillos and... and uh, so so that was hugely valuable, just human relations mm-hmm. on one hand. And then on another hand, uh, you know, sometimes I would put my stick through my snare and uh, I would have, you know, like... <laughs> Doing rim uh, shots for the rest of the night. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> or using my one of my toms as, uh, as a snare all of a sudden. Um, so that kind of thing as well. So there's uh, no shortage of stuff like that. And we used to put on... Um, uh, sort of bigger shows like on Halloween we always did a massive show which is something that that I've kept doing with uh, at least through our our, our TBJ mm. and starters days where the Halloween show would always be big like we've done um, our last thing for example was uh, was an Austin Powers theme uh, show where each each of our cast was would dressed up as a character from uh, Austin Powers and we transformed our set as much as we could, as much as our budget would allow to like a loungy sort of, uh, swinging sex pad, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that kind of thing. We, we've always done that sort of thing. I've always been involved with that sort of thing just because people love it, you know, and it mm-hmm. is just something different. Um, I love when there's a structure for something, whether it's playing in a band or doing a daily talk show, and then I can blow that up. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, just turn it on its head. We've done backwards episodes. Um, 
uh, we played retro one, throwbacks, yeah, right on on the uh, on the starters, and uh, one night uh, with the band, we played the entire soundtrack to Jesus Christ Superstar from beginning to end, and that's all we played. We didn't play any of our songs. We just decided we're doing <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar uh, because we could, and it was hilarious, and it was weird, and uh, mm. it was a bit that we would totally commit to, and that's a sort of a spirit that. Uh, that I try to keep alive in in whatever I do, including mm. uh, my daily basketball uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, and that's probably a good point to jump in on now. Is that you're not an NBA fanatic like you would assume people working on a daily NBA podcast are? Right. Yeah, that's so exactly right. how much do you think that factors into being able to approach the content from a unique perspective and be influenced by things outside of the world of broadcasting and ESPN and basketball and, and all that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not influenced by any of that, which I think I think it ultimately helps the show. But I don't I don't actually I don't know if it helps the show. It definitely <laughs> like everything that goes through the show goes through me and Matt to a certain extent and back when he was with the show. Sure. And, um, you know, we treated the show like a comedy show. We, we did not treat it as a sports show because we didn't really care about the sports. Um, I, I sort of, uh, you know, I wanted to get into television and I wanted to get into media in general. And Mm. I was sort of approached my, my entrance into it was that I didn't want I didn't really care what I was doing as long as I was part of it and as long as it was something that I was creating. So if I, I could be doing a show about home renovations, right? And I know nothing about home re- renovations, but I could probably, I know that I could do a decent show about home re- renovations because I know how to make a, a decent television show now. Um, I didn't when I started, believe me. Um, <laughs> but um, But you know what I mean? And I would probably be bored of home renovations but that's not the point. The point is that I'm trying to make the best show about home renovation or basketball or whatever it is that I happen to be working on. Yeah. Was that the question? I, th- I, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, it is. Because th- th- when you say like you, your focus is to make a comedy show, I think that's the sweet sauce or the special sauce, the sweet spot. Right. Because <laughs> there's a million basketball shows. Like there's there's so many. And there's so many that it's hard to even keep yeah. up with the ones that you that you want to. But if I go to no dunks or the starters or the basketball Jones back then, I knew that I was going to be completely entertained and laugh. And it felt like hanging out with friends for an hour or however long it was. Yeah. And I think that's something that you have unique to, to what you guys do is because you over, especially over time, you've built such a, an amazing rapport and chemistry and, and banter that you guys are, your, are yourself around each other. And it makes everyone else feel like we know you as well. And I think that, where you've got to, especially lately with that, and especially stuff like happy hour, it's just a real fun time, no matter what your interest is. And, and you, you know yourself, like there's people who listen to your show that don't really care about basketball that much <laughs> or at all, which yeah. is the ultimate testament to <laughs> to uh, to what you're saying. And I, I remember when Matty O was on here, he said that you guys were nominated for like best comedy podcast or something like that. And like, that's probably a, a huge testament to that yeah it to be fair uh to be clear <laughs> i should say it was uh best pod best comedy podcast that isn't a comedy podcast if that makes sure. sense so it was, we weren't that counts I'll but count hey that. i'll take it i was uh, i was very flattered by that one i think that was yeah. from side splitter maybe um but anyways yeah 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Tass and Skeets and I originally, uh, we just have the same sort of sense of humor, I guess, and the same sensibility, and also the same commitment to doing stuff. Like, we all three of us at the time, and still today, uh, mm. 15 years later, we're still committed to doing cool stuff, and now we have... Uh, Lee Ellis and Trey Kirby with us as well, who are equally as committed and into doing cool stuff. That's all we basically want to do is to mm. make cool, cool stuff with our friends. And we've been able to do it for the past 15 years, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. 15 years. So if we go back to then and you're at university with these guys, was it like group assignments that you kind of had to cross paths with each other at first? Yeah. Um, TAS. Matt and myself were in the same core group. So when in your first year back then, they would put they would put you into core groups, and that that is the group of people that you would do all of your media type classes with. Mm-hmm. Um, so t- so Matt and I became fast friends, and then Tass as well. And then I'm I sort of uh, uh, Skeets was in a different core group, but uh, he was sort of around peripherally and. Um, you know, by year three, we were working together and we did, Matt and Skeets and myself did uh, our final practicum together, which was a half hour pilot um, for like an office style mockumentary uh, comedy show um, that uh, we did. It had nothing to do with sports. It was a, literally a sitcom. Um, and Does that still exist somewhere? Does it exist? Yeah, they've got about a ten DVDs somewhere in this place. <laughs> it's around. We should put it I'd on YouTube. It. It's. Yeah, uh, I haven't. I haven't watched it in years, so I should show it to my kids. They're big Office fans, and it was. It's, it's very close to the Office. Yeah, cool. I believe the you know the the lore of the the story is that Skates was attempting to podcast about one topic every day for like a month or some kind of challenge like that was it yeah he had a bet with one of his buddies might have been grish i don't think it was grish maybe it was dub <laughs> who knows he has so many buddies but one i of his buddies but uh one of his buddies basically bet him that he couldn't blog every day for an entire right. year like 365 yeah. days so he just started blogging just random stuff um and then he He's very, as you know, he's a huge basketball fan and he just started basketball type stories started seeping into that blog. Um, And then he just, uh, yeah, he was doing that, I guess, when we sort of fired up the the podcast or was he already working at, I think that he turned that into Ball Don't Lie at Yahoo. Yahoo. Um, And then around that time, this was 2006, I basically, I was at, uh, we were just out for drinks one night and I was just like, we, we got to do a podcast guys. Uh, and, uh, he, they were like, what, what is a podcast? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I was going to say that's like a, every time someone goes out for drinks now, they probably say we should do a podcast, but this was in 2000 and what? It was 2006, early 2006 was our first episode. So it might've actually even been 2005 when I first suggested it to them. And And at that time was there like... (laughs) From my recollection, it was like the Ricky Gervais show was the only podcast that I listened to. Was oh, yeah. there anything else? <laughs> uh, well, what what turned me on to podcasts actually at the so at the time uh, this was after university, uh, about a year after university, 
And um, I was working as a sound editor, um, adding sound to cartoons um, for Mm -hmm. uh, various shows. One of them being Caillou. That's probably the most famous show that I've that I worked on. Um, Which is, you know, if you if you're a parent, you have a one year old, right? So, Mm -hmm. are you familiar with Caillou? No, we're not watching TV. Oh, good for you. Good for you. That's that's the way to go. Uh, Caillou is, um, he's, it's a Canadian show. He's a, and he is the most annoying four-year-old that you'll ever right. meet as an adult, but kids love him. They love Caillou. And it was, there were six seasons altogether and it's, it just got canceled like this, like two months ago or something like oh, that. Okay. So it was on for over 20 years, uh, wow. the same six seasons. And, uh, anyway, I worked on that show. <laughs> But uh, I couldn't stand listening to it. So I would add sound effects and I t- would turn off the guide track, which was the, the dialogue track, and right. I would get really bored. And I, so I, would be li- I started listening to audiobooks because audiobooks was, were, uh, were just newly available on iTunes. And I was like, oh, this is cool, but this is starting to get expensive. Oh, what's this? Podcast tab. Check that out. And at the time, Lost, the show, Lost, J.J. Uh, Abrams, mm-hmm. uh, show was on and it was uh it was crazy everybody was insanely into it um and then people started doing podcasts about lost like looking back at the last episode discussing uh deconstructing everything and this was the first time that that kind of thing started happening really uh and i started i was listening to three different lost lost podcasts and then i got turned on to some uh, comedy podcasts and uh, so yeah I was like hey guys we got to do a podcast this is really simple and at the time it wasn't even that simple because it's not like you could have you didn't even it wouldn't go on to your phone there was no iPhone right <laughs> mm, I think the yeah. iPhone came out later that year when we started so you would download sync to your iPod yeah. yeah sync it to your iPod so you had to do it onto a computer and then sync it on so it wasn't the most elegant way to listen to a show and we were always running into bandwidth problems and we were always, um, uh, you know, just when I would tell, when I told people, yeah, well, I'm doing this podcast, it was very much like, uh, what are you talking about? Um, mm. but anyway, so that's, uh, that's how we got started. Yeah. Uh, so it started with, uh, two things happening simultaneously, Skeet starting his 365 blog and mm. me saying, I'm going to kill myself if I don't get out of doing Caillou or at least, you know, trying to do some creative things on my own with people that I like. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how it started. And it was, it was honestly, it was just like, let's just give it a try. I mean, I've, I've got a pro tools rig, uh, in my, uh, living room, uh, and I got a couple of mics. Why don't you guys just come over and we'll, we'll just, we'll just talk about stuff because, you know, they're super charismatic guys. They have great chemistry. They're really funny. I mean, just talk, talk about whatever you want. And I assumed it would be sports. I was just like, because they're huge sports fans. And I was just like, well, you know, it can be any, literally anything you want to talk about. Uh, and they were like, okay, well, let's do, we'll do sports. But, um, and I'm like, okay, what, what sport are you most passionate about? And they said basketball. And that was it. And then uh, we've been doing it ever since. And it was just like, <laughs> if nothing else, we'll walk away with a decent demo because, uh, because at the time, uh, TAS was working at TSN, uh, which is a sports network in, um, in uh, Canada. Uh, and he was just like an assistant editor kind of thing. 
And uh, Skeets wasn't even in the business at all. He was uh, he worked for a, a medical doctor placement agency. So uh, and he was blogging mm. in his spare time. So uh, he hadn't he hadn't even gotten the the gig at Yahoo yet. So it was just like you know what we'll do it for a couple of months, see what happens. Uh, we'll have a pretty pretty sick demos. I'll have some production demos. And, uh, you know, whatever, it'll, it'll be, it'll be kind of fun and, and we'll just see what happens. And then all of a sudden we've got an audience of maybe 500 people and people start emailing us saying, wow, I love the show. I'm listening in Hong Kong. And, and, uh, you know, just, there was some engagement and at the time it was just like, Oh, this, you know, this is kind of cool. People are actually listening to this and they're enjoying it. And, uh, mm. uh you know, it fuels you. It 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 uh, it 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 motivates you to keep going. And um, I said for uh, my line always during those days was uh, we get paid in compliments. Like <laughs> that was the only pay that we saw. Uh, and we yeah. ended up uh, the first year it was twice twice a week, and then we were going daily by the second year, and then we switched to video. Still not getting paid. We did almost five hundred episodes. Uh, with no uh, no compensation whatsoever, and it was turning into an actual job at that point. Yeah, I was going to say like it's um it's a lot of time to put into something that doesn't have a clear path forward. I guess because it was such a new format at the time. Yeah, it must have been really difficult to think like okay, how much time should I be putting into this versus looking for work versus you know whatever else there might have been out there so in yeah. your mind what was the the thought as to the, the way forward because I, I know like Matty O came in and it was kind of his job to find revenue was it right yeah he had he so after uh after we were done at Ryerson uh Matty O went and uh, he went to law school um because he's a very very smart guy as you know mm. um and uh, so he just he went to law school. I think he was thinking he wanted to be a lawyer, but um, ultimately he wanted to be in the entertainment business. And maybe I don't know. I think he just uh, wanted more education. I think he was thirsty for that knowledge. And uh, so maybe he thought that he was going to be um, like an entertainment lawyer or something like that. A lot of people in the business in Canada are actually lawyers. Uh, because there is a pretty vibrant um, uh, Canadian content initiative there. So uh, the government will actually subsidize production. Um, But you pretty much have to be a lawyer to navigate the applications and the the budgets and and all that kind of thing. So it's very common for producers in Canada to actually be lawyers as well. Um, So, you know, that was a path that he may have taken, but he, he came back and he was basically, I've got a law degree, but I don't really want to be a lawyer. Um, so, and we're like, well, we're, we're doing this show. Uh, it's about basketball. Um, but we, I know you're not interested in basketball, but we do need somebody (laughs) to help us get this thing off the ground and get us paid or, or, or moving forward at least. Um, and he was, uh, we're, we, the three of us were pretty exhausted, um, but he was fresh. He was fresh out of high, fre- mm. not, not high school, but fresh out of university. <laughs> and he was hungry and he wanted to do something and he had the time and he was willing to help us with, and, you know, and we're great friends with him. So it was just, it was a, it was an easy thing for us to, 
we discussed it for literally 10 seconds. It's like, Hey, do you think we should bring Matty Owen? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's ask him. And, uh, and he did come on and, uh, it was awesome. Like he was, um, you know, he's great talking to people. He's great, uh, approaching different entities. Uh, he's got no fear when it comes to that kind of thing. And, and, Tass and Skeets and myself back then, especially we're, we're very much like, we just want to make the show. Like all we really want to do is just, just create the show. We know we have something that we we have something here. It's not what exactly what we want it to be yet, but we know that it's good. And we have feedback from an, a growing audience telling us that they enjoy it. And we just need somebody to put it in front of the right people. And that's exactly what Matt did. Um, and which brought us to the score. Um, which is, uh, a, it was the, uh, it was a sports network in Canada. It's the app now. I don't know if you guys have it. Um, I mean, you, do you have the score, uh, in, uh, I mean, it's, it comes up when you search for things, right? Like, yeah. So it's, it's not like a go-to source right, for, for us. But right. Yeah. Usually when I go to the score, it's cause I'm looking for some old like TBJ content. That's probably not. <laughs> there anymore wiped it wiped it from the internet uh yeah so it used to be a tv station um yeah and it was like lower tier like the 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 um uh how would you describe it i mean like espn when it first started out like it was big on the biggest things on it were wrestling and uh and probably basketball actually because they they would take um, all the games that um, that TSN or Sportsnet wouldn't take, so it was it was like the third ugly stepchild of sure. of the uh, the the sports broadcasting landscape. But it was perfect for us because they wanted to get into digital, um, and they uh, they they liked the content that we produced, and we had an audience. So, and they liked what we do, we did. And they were, they, Hmm. they were like the, the real rebels of, of, of the broadcasting landscape as well. Like they, they, they were, were, their motto was, uh, hardcore sports, you know, like where the, this is where the hardcore sports go, (laughs) sports fans go, you know? So, um, but anyways, uh, and it, and it, it, it actually turned out to be a pretty good, um, training ground for us. Certainly, uh, Renee Paquette came out of there um tim tim mccallif and sid Sixero, who are um huge uh, uh sports broadcasters now in uh, in canada and sid just actually left the sporting world and 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 uh joined uh breakfast television which you guys you wouldn't know but um it's kind of it's kind of a big deal so there's 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 people who worked there who went on to much bigger things mm. um but yeah it was great for us, and uh, and it was a the perfect training ground for us to uh, before we got to NBA TV in Atlanta. Yeah, fantastic. So Matteo talked about that period before landing the deal with the score being, I guess, a lot of up and down with people at different points, like almost taking in turns of being ready to give up. Do you <laughs> have the same <laughs> recollection of that where? You know, there always had to be one energized person to say, "No, come on, we're we're, we're nearly there. Like we we've got this. We just have to keep doing what we're doing." Yeah, I would say that the only the only correction I would make is that it was usually only one guy that was like, "I can't, I 
can't. I yeah. can't. But there, there was the other two that were like, no, we, we got this. We can do it. We can do it. It's it's fine. It's fine. And that stuff, I mean, it was, it was almost um, unspoken. It wasn't like one of us would come in in one morning and go, guys, I just can't do it anymore. Mm. It was just more like, uh, okay, well, I can feel that Tass is not not loving life right now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, uh, and same for me, like uh, because we were all working full time jobs, uh, and but you know, it just became part of for uh, from my perspective, it just became part of my routine. Like it's just something that uh, I added to what I needed to do, and um, I'm a very stubborn guy. Like I. I'm going to see it through and I'm not, it's almost like I'm not going to be the one to call it quits on this. Like mm-hmm. you guys, I'd be like, if they want to call it quits, I'm, that's per, that's fine. Actually, great. <laughs> but it's not going to be me, you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to, I am not going to give up here. <laughs> yeah. Just to save that's face good. really, you know. <laughs> so with your experience spending 10 years with a band that I guess didn't pan out, was there any trepidation from you that it was another kind of risky venture that you were putting a lot of your energy into yeah oh 100 100 except the difference was as i said before i had almost no control when i was the drummer behind the drums yeah. you know one of the hit this is a uh, uh this was the beginning of the end of the band there was a moment where we were having a video release party so we had shot uh and produced and edited and we released this uh a, a video, a music video for one of our songs, um, uh, for an album that was coming out. And, uh, we, we weren't signed or anything. We just, we were at that point, it was very much the independent spirit, like, um, indie records were coming out, uh, and Kevin Smith was doing his thing and everybody was, it's all about doing it yourself, you know? So we recorded mm-hmm. this album in this house that we lived in and all that. So we, we had this massive, video release party where we literally spent the last of our dollars um like credit cards maxed out uh we bought (laughs) like four kegs of beer or something like that filled this bar fill full of people we had a city tv which is a local television station there uh doing a live hit for their 11 o'clock news um and cbc was there which is the the canadian bbc um so it was this massive event and I'm behind the drums playing and we're on TV. We're live on the air on the, the 11 o'clock news. They would do their entertainment from bars from time to time. Right. right. So we're here live at the blah, blah, blah. And uh, this band is playing and they're having, they're throwing this great party. And they were so, it was such a, a glowing piece, right? They were just like, they were the, the, the reporters were loving it. They were drunk we we like gave them so much beer the crew and stuff anyway lead singer of the band he sees himself on tv and he gives the finger to the camera directly into the camera right (laughs) so it's like and i didn't see i didn't see this right so it was just like well this is awesome so the gig ended and i we came off stage and it was just like it was like somebody. It was like somebody died. Like it was like, what happened? Like what? Why is everybody like? What? The place was emptied out. Like it was just this moment where something completely beyond my control happened, and there was nothing I could do about it. And I didn't even know about it because I was sitting behind the drums. And it was like, I'm not gonna let that happen to me again. So, so was I? Was it? 
yes, it was a creative endeavor that I was that I was taking on again with no real plan and no real guarantee that it would be a success. But I, at least I was producing and directing it, and I was control in control of it. Like hmm. uh, I could take out anything that I wanted to take out. We weren't doing it live at the time, um, and I also trusted Skeets and Tass, and they trusted me. So. It, you know, it was a good situation, but it was also one of those things where nobody had heard of a podcast and I was trying to do a, a media project where nobody knew what the media was like when they didn't understand what a podcast was. And so, you know, my parents and, you know, friends, right. acquaintances would be like, yeah, I can't I uh, can't stay out tonight. I got to get up at 530 in the morning to do my podcast. Well, what's a podcast? Well, it's this thing. And I knew that people were just like. This guy is just like working towards this thing that nobody knows what it is. And it's just a basketball show on the internet. It's like radio show on the internet. And uh, it was just almost embarrassing, you know, like, uh, here we go again. But then we got hired from the school at the score and it's like, oh, guy's a genius. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like just overnight. It was just, oh, you see, I I told you it was, it was fine. It was fine. The whole time was fine. So literally that was probably, I started in 1990 trying to be successful in a creative endeavor and it took me until 2005 really. And then, Hmm. but when it happened, it was just like, Hey, see, I worked. (laughs) (laughs) Podcasting was kind of like the Bitcoin of, of media (laughs) because at the time people would be like, why are you doing this? And then a few years later, everyone's like, ah. If only I started then, you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you know, there's a million podcasts now and I wasn't listening when you started at the very beginning, but I'm sure that there's really great podcasts now that were as good as you were, right. but they're not going to get any attention because there's just too much competition. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you were ahead of the curve is, is where you get a lot of credit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's just as much to do with luck as, and circumstances than anything else. It was just a desire to do something and just be like, well, I got two mics and I've got a pro tools rig. So what, what can mm. we do with that? And, you know, we were able to do a podcast uh, and it was uh and that's how we basically approached everything when we went to video it was just like well we can afford uh a new laptop and we can afford a camera one camera <laughs> it's like okay well i guess that's the show then one camera couple of mics and a laptop <laughs> and then uh, you know as time went on and uh we started making a little bit of money we just would would just add to it and even when we got to to uh nba tv and they and they were just like well you got to do it in this studio when this is your crew and it's not you know they didn't give us some standard things that most tv shows get like uh, a teleprompter for one uh, and, right. uh, you know, a couple of rolls up in the, con- up at the control room where they were just like, ah, they don't need them. And we're like, okay, I guess we're doing this show. Uh, you're giving me three camera people. There's four cameras down there. So I'm taking one of those cameras and I'm going to lock it off. So I'm using four cameras. You know what I mean? Like it's, and it's, that's always been the way throughout this entire process. And then we left mm. MVA TV and now we started literally from scratch again uh so what do we got i got six mics i got an imac i guess we're doing a podcast again you know so that's 
Yeah. That's that's where we are. Oh, what oh, we're in a pandemic? Okay. Uh, what do we got? We got Zoom. We got <laughs> cameras on our laptops. I guess we're doing that's the show now, you know, like and that's just that's just how it's been and hopefully we'll be back in a studio and we'll we'll see how much money we have and what we can get away with and that's what we're going to be doing. Mhm. And speaking of money, it's a good time now to talk about our friends over at Manscaped. We know the No Dunks audience is no stranger to these guys. There's a whole slew of life-changing products available around the world with a handy 8-bit discount code. Manscaped are the very best in men's self-care, hygiene, and below-the-waist grooming. But there's so much more than that. I've recently noticed a bit of nose hair going on and been very confused as to how long that's been there am i just at that age i don't know some people have hair growing in their ears i didn't even realize that was a thing apparently it is but no judgment here you just want to get rid of it so you can listen to your podcast in peace that's why manscaped has the weed whacker as you know they've also got the lawnmower 3.0 with its cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents on top of that they've got a range of moisturizers deodorants that will leave you feeling fresh restored rejuvenated even and if all this self-care isn't enough to convince you about the majesty and wonder of manscaped they're also partnering with the testicular cancer society they're raising awareness about the importance of early detection they've even got an app to remind you with a text message once a month that's all it takes to get on top of the early signs and symptoms of testicular cancer when listeners make a purchase from manscaped you'll have the option to make a donation to the life-saving work of the testicular cancer society and that's so easy when you're already saving money with 20 percent off and free shipping just use the discount code 8bit that's a-t-e-b-i-t only over at manscaped.com yeah i wanted to talk about some of those different phases as things go along so you know you join the score it must have been great to have an opportunity to ramp things up and I don't know how many cameras you had, but there was a, a studio style show at some point mm-hmm. that eventually, you know, it seemed like every year you had to, I don't know if it was like the budgets come out and your budget's been cut, but you'd almost change every year to different styles of shooting. Right. Yeah, uh, that's exactly, exactly right. I mean, the score, we were part of their digital department. They were a TV studio. They had a studio, they had a whole, uh, roster of talent that they used uh but we were not going on television they didn't hire us to go on television they wanted us on the digital side so mm-hmm. uh they let us use the studio but we still had to use, shoot the show like we always had with me holding the camera uh handheld and we were we were allowed to turn on the lights and they made a little tiny set for us and it was great it was fine we were we were happy with that um, and then uh, somewhere along the way, we, they did give us a crew and we were actually live streaming it for a while. Um, and then at one point we pitched them to do a TV version of the show, which they allowed us to do as well. That was once a week. Uh, we did the basketball Jones TV show, which was great because, uh, again, very low ratings, very little at stake. It was a terrible time slot. It was like Thursdays at 6 PM or something like that. So, uh, really no pressure to do anything crazy. It's like Wayne's world. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's how it felt. And that's, you know, we got compared, we compared to Wayne's world on many occasions. Um, but it was awesome because we had the freedom to do stuff that we wanted to try and we would just try stuff. Mm. And, 
and uh, so we had and we had access to um, to graphic designers. And if we came up with a bit, then we would uh, go down to the graphics department and say, "Hey, can you whip up a quick?" Uh, uh, when Linsanity was happening, for example, uh, yeah. we put. Uh, we did the Lin shake. That's the famous one that came out of that. But there was uh, we made a graphic. Uh, the bit was that Matt was was touring around and and uh, and just following uh, Lin Sanity like uh, or uh, Jeremy Lin like he was uh, a super fan, you know, and doing just little bits like that. And uh, he would uh, uh, having that th- those resources behind us to to do that kind of. Uh, Mm-hmm. create help with our creativity was was just amazing yeah and it's in some ways i feel like it was i mean tell me what you think but it was like a, a bit of a golden era for creativity in a sense that you could go and do your like uh, you know all-star weekend crazy interviews then there would be like sketches that you'd do like the the like a bosch yeah or like the christmas caroling with skeets and taz dressed up as elves um there was the book and uh, pick and payoffs or book and payoffs at the time maybe where you know you're filming the guys going and doing stand-up comedy yeah about basketball or i remember like the earpiece yeah, and yeah, yeah. taz is telling skeets what to tell people on the street you know there's influences from i guess like what was happening at the time whether it's like snl or like stuff that you see on talk shows and that kind of thing yeah. so that must have been just a great time to flex that creative muscle right Oh, totally. I, our days at the score, while there were definitely challenges, um, we they let us they left us alone and let us do whatever we wanted. Um, and we would get into um, arguments about like, well, we need we need a camera crew right now, and we need to go down and uh, <laughs> and uh, Tass is going to talk into Skeets's ear, and he's gonna he's gonna repeat everything that Tass says. And um, it's going to be awesome and hilarious. And they're like, what has it got to do with sports? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> like it's a, at the end of the day, it's a sports <laughs> network. Right. So um, yeah. so sometimes we would have a little bit of pushback on certain things. But then I, I, they were actually pretty good and let us do whatever we wanted to do. Again, very little stakes in those days. Um, yeah. And we uh, we had a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. Um you know, and it was that was that stuff was above and beyond what we were sort of there to do because really what mm. we were hired to do was our daily talk show about basketball. Um, but we just we just can't help ourselves. Like we have to do that kind of thing because that's that's our nature and that's what we think uh, people will will like, and I think they do like that. So. Mm. Um, yeah, and it makes the show better. And I kind of miss those days. Um, but, you know, the show has evolved and, and uh, you know, we're in a pandemic. So we'll get back to doing stuff like that again. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun seeing you guys throw ice at each other's chests <laughs> or dunking on each other or whatever it is in those yeah. little videos. And the fact, the fact that you've all got kids now changes that I think you've got, like, less energy to come up with, like, a really high-concept production for something like that yeah Le- less well less energy and less time uh, it's just yeah. uh the weirdly th- this year well right now especially because uh we launched a new show with tass in the morning so we're doing um 
Like I do that show with Tass in the morning and then we do the daily show. And then uh, at 2 p.m. I'll look up and I'll be like, oh, I've been sitting here for eight, the eight hours. I've done a full day's work now. <laughs> now, uh, now I'm mm. going to start do it working on weekend whoopsies or, or not weekend whoopsies, but whoopsies we call it now or the yeah. very solid play or something like that. You know, like it's just uh, I'm one guy. And, uh, and our main, our main mandate is to do a audio podcast. That's what we actually get paid to do. I mean, we're doing, we're launching the, or we've launched it, but we're working on our, um, our YouTube channel. That's just us trying to get the brand out there and, and, and try something new and do something, uh, you know, that maybe down the road can get us either back on television or, uh, maybe the, the, uh, the YouTube channel becomes profitable. Who knows? I mean, but it's just, we have to try, we have to try, we have to push, we have to keep doing what's next and just keep the party going. Yeah. For bonus content, if that's how you view it, there's a lot that goes into it because it's, there's a lot of stuff there that, you know, if you only, I usually only listen to audio. So there's things there that I know I'm missing. Like I'm missing Lee's very solid plays and the whoopsies and stuff that was part of the, the starters before so i think that's probably pushing a lot of people to go over there knowing that it's kind of exclusive right yeah exactly exactly right mm. um and you know it's going pretty well i think people are starting to to, to cop onto it and um mm. and the uh, the other thing is that we're doing the show live on youtube as well which is yeah. a whole other thing so now we have uh the ability to see people react to the show and what is being said in real time in the comment stream um, with the, the stream team, we call them. And, uh, and it's great. It just adds, it's adds a whole new flavor to the show. Um, and for a show that is a fan's perspective of the NBA, it's, that's just gold. It's just more fans getting their voices heard. And that's what we're all about. Mm. Yeah. I, I do enjoy that part, even though the time zones mean I can't really tune in live. It, right. it gives it a different feel and it's, you know, it's a bit more like a Twitch stream where there's an engagement Mm-hmm. during the show and i mean trey's always been there with you know responding to tweets and that kind of thing on the on the starters yeah. back in the day and probably even tpj but uh ha- yeah having that really instant thing that anyone can look at at any time i think fosters a real sense of community for the the listeners and that's only a good thing yeah, for for, sure. for something that's so built on feeling that, that the listeners are part of it because you do such a great job to involve them over the years. I think that that's been really great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We we work very hard at that. People seem to like it. So that's always amazing to me. People mm. will listen to us. People listen to us on in our <laughs> basketball feed talk about Survivor, the show, the American version, and they had never they would never some people had never watched a single episode of Survivor, but they're just listening to us talk about this show that they haven't watched. And I just find that amazing. But it's just, it's crazy to me, but I love it. I mean, it shouldn't surprise you because like, even going back to like the blank Jones, like way back when, I guess it was during the um, the lockout yeah. season, right? Was it? The blank Jones? Or was it just uh, an off season? Blank Jones, we just started doing to keep the the just to keep something in the feed w- during the off season so we would yeah. bank a bunch of them uh and then just drop them you know every week or two uh while yeah. we were, while there was no basketball happening but sure. uh, but yeah i mean like the blank jones i feel like i don't know what the downloads were but at least among the 
longtime fans, like those things get referenced so often. And yeah. I know people that go back and listen to them. And that to me was like the sign that these guys could probably podcast about anything <laughs> and they would still have an audience. Like, and I said to, to Matteo when I interviewed him, like if you guys started a Patreon or a Kofi or, or whatever, like post NBA TV, people would support you through that platform. Like you, you really could do anything. And I think the, the suspended season we had with the pandemic showed that yeah people would like to hear you talk about teen wolf and they would listen <laughs> to you talk about survivor and it doesn't matter like i don't, like i said i don't know what the, if the downloads drop because it's not an nba topic but the engagement's definitely just as high i mean uh, it, it they did drop slightly but not as much as i thought they were going to you know like i thought you know what let's just as you say, like people do enjoy when we go off on tangents and stuff like that. If Lee has a hilarious story about the Singapore bathrooms or whatever, um, <laughs> but pe- people seem to love it. Um, but to do full episodes is just like it was like, well, I I guess we, we got to we have to do something. Um, so but so in a way, we're uniquely built for the pandemic because. We are pretty comfortable talking to one another. Uh, we are very used to going way off topic when it comes to uh, the, to basketball. And, you know, people already knew that we were big Survivor fans and we've talked about mu- uh, music and, and movies and stuff like that on the show before. So it wasn't that much of a stretch, really. And as you say, like, the, the downloads didn't go down as much as I thought. So, I mean, uh, yeah, maybe we should just start a... Mm-hmm. A knitting podcast or something just to see <laughs> yeah i mean I, I watched uh trey make spanish eggs on one of the streams <laughs> a few weeks ago so like you know yeah if you have the right people doing it like you can make anything yeah fun yeah um so going back to i guess the transition from the score to nba tv like that must have seemed like the jackpot because it's probably one of the top at least from brand awareness like doesn't it's like ESPN and, and NBA TV. They're probably like the two big ones in, in terms of basketball coverage yeah. and the audience that you'd get there. So what was that like for you to move into that position and know that you have this, you know, compared to the score, at least this huge budget, this studio to work with, you're getting celebrities on there. There's mm-hmm. probably an extra pressure added to it, but um, your role specifically would have changed quite a bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was a completely different job like I never directed the show when we were doing the studio version like of the TV show um, I was a producer but I wasn't a director um, and when we did the show uh, like I said before I could take out anything I could tighten things up I could uh, you know I had basically a scalpel and I would perform surgery sometimes you know fixing things that I wasn't happy with but then mm-hmm. all that went out the window when you're producing a live television show on American national TV. It's like, uh, it's a much bigger thing. It's, you know, you, it's like driving a little mini Cooper. It's super, <laughs> you can, it handles great and you're all by yourself and you can, uh, you know, push it uh, wherever you want it to go. And, um, and then you go from that to, uh, basically piloting a pirate ship, you know, where I'm, I don't really have my fingers on any buttons. I'm not touching anything. I'm just shouting out orders to a large crew <laughs> to to try to steer the ship where I kind of want it to go. So that was uh, that was a huge adjustment for uh, for all of us. 
Um, but uh, mm. but definitely uh, me and Matt, I think, especially because at the end of the day, the guys were just they were in a studio talking about basketball. That wasn't quite different, that much different from what they were doing before. But we had a huge new can of worms that we had to deal with. And it was uh, it was daunting that first year. I think uh, I think Lee mentioned that it was not not a fun year for us at all. But uh, but hey, we got through it, and we we're stronger for it. We also made the mistake of trying to make a podcast for TV, um, which was a huge blunder right out of the yeah. gate. It was just like, <laughs> what are you doing, man? Like I'm like, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to take the podcast experience and put it on television. So we need at least an hour for that. I mean, we were, we were actually thinking, how are we going to possibly contain the show in one hour? Like, but it was so, (laughs) so, so wrong headed of us because we wanted to please our podcast audience who Mm. we had come from the score and our, our, the average show length was between 45 minutes to 60 minutes. We had no real uh, parameters that we had to hit, no breaks, um, we just, you know, turn on the mic, start talking. And then at the end of it, we would structure the show, but there was no clock ticking. There was no, um, like I said, ad breaks that we had to hit, uh, no sponsored segments, you know, um, that we had to do. Um, uh, so to take that and then we, we were just way, we it got in our heads too much about pleasing the audience. Like, the, our our existing audience are going to be super pissed off if they don't get the po- same podcast experience. We tried to put that on TV and it completely backfired. It was mm. it was a, an awful experience making the show, and I'm sure even worse to listen to or view the show because it was just uh, it was a nightmare. But um, I think uh, I think Lee and Matt both mentioned that the big turning point for us was uh, summer league after that first year. We we did a half hour show, and we were like, yeah, "Yeah, this is what we should have been doing this whole time." Uh, and uh, you know, because we could just cut out all the crap, just focus on making the best TV show we could possibly make, and uh, and then we'll worry about the podcast later. We'll do a, sp- a podcast separately, which is exactly what we ended up doing. Mm. Yeah, in that sense, I think being like a, primarily a podcast listener, I'm stoked with the way that no dunks has gone back to that being like the focus because it means that you know we can have the drops back and we can have the long segments and things that go off the rails yeah. but um it, did it feel like it must have been hard for you with your role changing not to feel like it was a step back it did feel like a step back that first year because we were making so many compromises as you say like we couldn't you know, we, we actually even tried doing the shout outs, you know, on TV and the whole bit was, okay, we'll do tweet of the week shout outs. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's Lee Ellis would get people to, uh, send him basically do his job for him, uh, which was to come up with a tweet of the tweet of the week, the best tweet of the week. (laughs) And, uh, and he would shout out anybody who sent him a tweet and that, list got to be quite unwieldy like 50 some odd people twitter twitter handles that he would just read in a list uh and our the whole bit was we would get annoyed with him as he was reading these these uh these handles these twitter handles but sometimes it was hilarious because the twitter handles were funny but anyways Mm -hmm. trying to put this on tv 
<laughs> was just a just a terrible idea. And we tried to make the bit so that we would scroll the names, you know, and it would go too fast for him to read. But it was just like, all right, this doesn't really work, and it's just. It's just not a podcast. So it's, we gotta, we gotta just, we gotta get over this. It's, it's a TV show. But and once, once that, once we got over that, and we were doing our half-hour show, then we could concentrate on doing a TV show. Then it started getting fun because now we've got this whole new medium that we're working with, and you know, once we got our, our, we got to know where we, how we, how to do it, and mm. and and we got our sea legs, so to speak. Um, then we could start messing with it and I really having fun with it. Um, and we did, we did a lot. We did a lot of cool stuff on that show that I'm really, really proud of. But, um, uh, but yeah, it wasn't a podcast. It was a TV show. So I got to make a, 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 a TV show for six years, which was, which is pretty good. This this is pretty cool. (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to do it again, but I'm very (laughs) grateful for the time that, that I had. And, and I'm grateful to myself because I realized it at the time I took the, I took a moment to go every so often to go, this is pretty cool. Like, this is pretty, mm. pretty hilarious. We are doing, we're doing a show on NBA TV, you know, in the, the heart of Turner, which is, you know, CNN and, uh, all this, uh, you know, it, it's pretty pre- prestigious. And I got a guy in a wetsuit doing a show in front of a green screen, uh, doing the worst pick and payoff we've ever done. Uh, and it was great. Or I have Lee getting his chest waxed or I put skeets in a box for an entire show, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that stuff you just, you, you didn't really see on sports television, um, and I, yeah. and I, you're starting to see stuff like that now, uh, you know, and then we had Lee eating hot peppers, doing the hot pepper challenge and stuff like that. And we literally weren't, we mm. didn't know if he was going to die or not, you know, like he, <laughs> or, or vomit or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a very cool experience, uh, to subvert the genre like that whenever we could. Yeah. I think it's cool that you got to do that. It's kind of like in a sense it could turn out to be like a quaint thing that it was tv and now that that video and it's so accessible to do your own video that you almost don't need tv like it gives you an extra audience that you might not have if you're on the internet only right but it's it's interesting now that you can kind of do whatever you want uh and create your own audience and, and completely have full control over it i imagine the athletic gives you fairly free reign similar to the score did but um I, I may have worded my previous question wrong because i actually i meant like did it feel like a step back going from nba tv oh to, to, the to, to losing ah. that budget and the, that those kinds of uh resources to go back to the internet right 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 i it's possible that i just misheard you as well but uh sure. <laughs> yeah 100 percent huge step backwards in in that sense yeah because we basically like i said we were we start we started from scratch when we went back when we went to the athletic, and uh, I'm certainly not complaining. I, um, it, doing a podcast full time is great. It's it's the best job in the world. Like, let's be honest. Um, but uh, you know, we lost the name. We lost our RSS feed. We lost uh, we lost everything except for ourselves. Matteo. We lost Matteo. Yeah, huge yeah. blow. <laughs> um, so we started we started from scratch, and we it did 
kind of feel like we were starting from square one again. Not necessarily a bad thing. Um, we're way mm. better at it now than we were when we started. So th- there's that. Um, and our climb has been faster than it was the first time we did it. So that's good. And uh, and now we've got um, we've got YouTube and uh, it's a whole new way to be creative. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I think that we did pretty much everything that we wanted to do on that show on NBA TV creatively. I think, uh, I think there was not much further we could take things, you know? So maybe it was a blessing in disguise that we left when we did. And now we're able to, to flex our muscles in a different way. YouTube is a completely different animal and podcasting is a completely different animal as well. And, uh, yes, the athletic, gives us free reign to do whatever we want. They've been very hands-off. The only thing they really tell us to do is ads, which we love doing. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you know, so, uh, and there's been very few complaints. I'm not going to say no complaints, but some of the uh, ad clients, uh, uh, they they don't like the, the liberties that we take. Um, I think, what was, there was, was it a financial one or was it, was it the one that Lee did where he was just laughing <laughs> yeah, the whole time? Yeah. It was like what a mental was, health thing. It was mental was health. Like that's what it was. Hilariously cracking. I can see why they would complain it, about it. It was like the most, the worst ad that that could have happened on. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I was like, hmm, I guess I could cut it, but it's awesome. Like, it's a hilarious ad and uh, people are going to remember it. Uh, so I put it in and they were like, it was funny, but... Uh, yeah, we didn't like that. <laughs> so, like, okay, uh, you should have offered to do them, do them a freebie. Oh, well, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what we did. Uh, so it was it was all good there. So, what would you say has been the hardest part of your journey? Because there's been so many ups and downs through the years, and you know, Matteo left, and that changed the work that you had to do. Mm-hmm. And there's probably frustrations working even within. A machine like NBA TV where suddenly you have this huge opportunity and this huge audience but you're still being held back by something right. whether it's uh the higher ups telling you it has to be a certain way or even you know going back to the early years of of not knowing whether there was a future for you so what would you say has been the hardest part that you've had to push through to get to where you are uh hmm, that's a good question that we've been really lucky in that most of our employers have left us alone completely um and that has been awesome in one sense, but in another sense, it's almost been uh, to the point of neglect, right? So <laughs> it's just like, okay, like at NBA TV, we got to the point where um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see our boss and or talk to our boss for weeks, you know, um, and they would be very much um, just hands off. But again, we uh, there was frustration that came with that because it would be oh we we did a show without a teleprompter so uh, Skeets would have to basically memorize every single show and and Trey would have to memorize his parts and uh, when you are in on live TV and the lights are shining on you it's uh, it's difficult um, it's but it's a skill that uh, that they. They're stronger for it, I think. They're better broadcasters now because of that. Mm. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, for me personally, I think the my struggle is that 
I'm not that into basketball. I've been doing a show for 15 years and I'm just, yeah. I'm not that, uh, I'm not that interested in sports in general. You know, it's just not something that I ever envisioned myself doing. Um, I do love the work that I do and I love the guys that I work with and, um, basketball gives is a uh, sort of the canvas that we, uh, paint our, our, our art on if, if you will, <laughs> but um it's uh it's sort of it's sort you know i'm i wish sometimes that i was doing a, a different show which was great for the pandemic because yeah. we did get to do stuff that was different <laughs> so um i guess the most frustrating thing is that we've always been limited by uh we've always sort of put the cart before the horse and by that i mean our show is not a show has never been a show that you would go into NBA TV and pitch. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, I got a show. Here's a show for you. NBA TV Four white guys talk about basketball. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's and, and none just, of them have played in the, and none in of them the have league, played right? in the, yeah. no, are you crazy? No, they, of course they haven't played in the league. <laughs> um, they're, you know, average athletic to very athletic, I guess you would, uh, you, across the spectrum and um yeah and we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh there's certain shows where i'm gonna you know throw eggs at a guy you know (laughs) it's just it doesn't get pitched (laughs) it's sort of like this is sort of the show what the show has evolved into over the years Mm -hmm. it was a podcast and then it was uh uh when we were at the score as you said it was uh, uh creative just mayhem basically it was the mr show of sports shows um, and so we, we were always able to say, well, here's the show. This is the show. Look at this video clip. This is what we're, mm-hmm. we do. And it's, that has served us well, but it's also been, um, you know, when we got there, it was just like, oh, uh, how am I going to shoot this thing? It's, it's four guys talking about basketball and, and, uh, and it's, we've always sort of wrapped the the format around what the show had become and we haven't never really sort of sat down and planned out hey uh this is what the show should be and this is what the show should look should look like and uh this we've like i've never auditioned anybody to be on the show it's just like well Lee sort of showed up one day and kind of insinuated himself into various situations and now he's on the show and how did that happen it was just like well I allowed it to happen, you know, but, or we allowed it to happen and it's been, the show's better for it, but it's, it's not like, oh, we need a crazy Australian who has all, all the cool story bros in the world. We need to, to cast, <laughs> we need this, this uh, sidekick on the show. Let's go out and find him. It's just like, oh, here's a guy, let's put him on the show. And it's, that's sort of always the way mm. that we've done it. And I would, from a creative point of view, I would love to, I would love to shoot a feature where I have a script and I can actually, you know, map out the shots and, (laughs) you know, uh, plan something out properly and then, and then go into post-production and actually have uh, some time to, to edit it together and, you know, work with the composer and, you know, take an idea, an original idea from scratch and, and see it through to the end. Creatively, that's what I'm missing. Uh, but other than that, um, 
uh, I've had many, many opportunities over the years to be as creative as I want to be. So that's not even really a complaint. I'm just trying to think of something to answer your question. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. I guess you would have had to deal with a lot of people coming up to you at like parties and stuff and thinking like that guy, you know, that guy works in, in the basketball industry. I'm going to talk to him about sports and then you just have to oh, totally. yeah. listen to people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. And so it's the worst at parties where people, um, although I'm dying to go to a party, but um, you know, where you're standing there and it's just like, oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, what do you do for a living? And it's like, oh, I do a, well, first of all, saying I, 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 I work in media is always like a can of worms. And then uh, I do a show on NBA TV or I do a show for the athletic called, uh, called the uh, No Dunks. It's about basketball. Oh, big big Cleveland Cavaliers fan over here. Well, how do you, how, how do you like, uh, and it's never like, um, so you think they're going to make the playoffs, something that I can actually answer. It's more yeah. like, uh, what do you think of uh, such and such, uh, the moving, you know, like uh, some obscure trade of a guy I've never heard of. And cause they're super fans. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, I feel like they think that I'm, I'm lying to them. It's like, yeah, I do a show about basketball guy knows nothing about basketball. So, but you, you've learned a lot through osmosis as well. Like I, I hear you chipping in with your, you know, your predictions and stuff yeah, yeah. every now and then. Uh, yeah, through osmosis is a great way to put it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I don't I don't watch basketball all that much. Uh, I do watch the Raptors when, when we're in the playoffs. I'm a, I am a casual fan at best. Um, and frankly, I don't really need to, to, uh, to watch basketball. Although maybe the show would be better if I did. Um, but to be honest, there's four guys who know everything about the NBA. Me chiming in and say, hey, I think we should talk about this. It's just like it's redundant and not necessary. Mm-hmm. And they're the super fans. And they know what fans of basketball want to hear and talk about more than I do. And uh, my job is to make them look good. And if we come up with a crazy idea, I make that that idea come to life that makes sense okay so you've provided a lot of sage wisdom over the years to your listeners so i want to ask you now what would be your advice to anyone out there that's looking to do what you've done that is turn a hobby or an interest in media and production you know i'm a podcaster myself Mm -hmm. i'm on a podcast network we've even got a a basketball podcast called hoop dreams Mm. but you know, it's the world's changed so much since you got into it. So what's your advice to people now that want to get into making this a career? Right. Um, well, (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I can't, because I, I really can't imagine trying to break into it now, just being what I've been through and what we've been through all these years. It would be so daunting to me. Um, but you know, I'm old. And I'm tired, so <laughs> you know. Uh, but I would you sound s- like people that say like, "Oh, I can't imagine dating now." With <laughs> the apps. Oh, the- totally. It's exactly <laughs> it, that's exactly right. Um, I would say, do. I'm trying to not be cliche about it, but um, I mean, if it's cliche because it's true, then it's there's nothing you can do about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people email me all the time, and they're like, "Oh, how do I get into this?" And I'm like, um just get a mic and start talking into it. I mean, really, that's all, that's really what it is. Um, you know, and people, people will email me and say, how do I break into the, 
to the industry? How do I break into, uh, I want to be a sports broadcaster. I want to get into the industry, whether it's behind the scenes or not. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, do you, do you have a podcast? And if they say no, and I'm like, well, what do you do? You're not serious. You're, You're like, if you don't, if you don't want to, if you want to put your voice out into the world and you want to work at the TNTs of the world or, or wherever, and you're not already speaking into a mic, it's so cheap and easy to do. Even if you can't afford a mic and you have a smartphone, you could do it from a smartphone. You can do it, uh, you know, there's just, it's the barrier to entry is literally nothing. And it, you can, you can get, find a podcast host for free and just put it out there. And even if it's your mom is the only person that listens to it, at least you you're getting practice behind the mic and, and your mom is giving you critiques. Oh, I really love that episode. Or, you know, like I think you went a little too far on that one or whatever. But if you're not actively creating media, if this, if media is what you want to be, get into, then I don't know what you're doing. Like what, I don't know what you're waiting for, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, just, get out there and, and do it because there are people who are, there are so many people that have a YouTube channel or a, or a podcast and they're killing it. They're just killing it. And, and, and it's awesome. And it's the wild West out here. There's no, there's nothing you can't do. So, so just go and do it and see what happens. Um, and it, and it's actually a really good, uh, test to see if it's actually something you want to do, because if you get 10 weeks into it, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to put up another show today or whatever, then maybe it's not the industry for you because it is a beast that needs to be fed and you got to get the practice feeding it. So Hmm. I guess my advice is get off your ass and just start doing it and and that's it. And if you don't know how to do it, Google it because there is a 12-year-old with a YouTube channel who's going to tell you exactly how (laughs) to put together the, the perfect podcast. Because I've learned from that 12-year-old, you know, like anytime I need to do a transition or something in Premiere or whatever I'm trying to do, a chroma key, oh my God, how do you do that? Oh, uh, you know, Phyllis, the the Argentinian 13-year-old girl is going to tell me uh, how to do it and uh, and it's going to be awesome. So it's very, the barrier to entry is very low. Yeah. So get out there and do it and who knows, maybe... Maybe you're the next whatever, Joe Rogan <laughs> or whatever. Who makes a lot of money podcasting? I think Joe Rogan makes the most. Yeah, he's on Spotify <laughs> now, I think. So he's, he's probably got some of that Spotify cash. Oh, yeah. um, and so what about people who are doing the things that you've just said? And what are, So what, what should they do? Hmm. Yeah, like stick at it, do it better, essentially. <laughs> Hope that you get lucky. I mean, yeah, luck has a, has certainly there is there's luck is definitely a factor. Um, mm. uh, but what to how how to grow a podcast is 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 a question that I struggle with myself. I mean, um, you know, yeah, I I honestly I don't know the answer to that. The answer is consistency if you get an audience, even if it's a small audience and they're expecting that you're going to drop a show on Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern time, then there better be a show there for them because they're going to lose interest very, very fast. Um, And, you know, have other podcasters on like exactly what you're doing. 
right now, John, because right. I'm going to tweet this and uh, my show is going to tweet this. And then, you know, and that's maybe some of my listeners are going to become your listener. Um, and uh, and that's it. It's, it's all about networking for us as a basketball show. When we were first starting, we would uh, when playoff time came and the Clippers were in, then we would have uh, Kevin Arnovitz. Was he the Clipper guy back then? I think he was. And we would have a blogger from every from every team that was in the playoffs, going into sure. the playoffs. And so those bloggers would tweet that they've oh we're I, I was on the basketball Jones last night breaking down the Clippers uh, and how they're going to do in the playoffs. And uh, and that's how it's just word of mouth, and it's it's a real cottage industry still in that sense, um, mm-hmm. you know. And then just keep. Just keep doing it, I guess. Is and and you'll know when the time when the time to stop when it comes. It you'll know, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to tell people. It's uh, yeah, it's a good. tough business. Yeah, there's nothing easy, as, as I would say. <laughs> nothing easy. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's for sure. Probably my last question, unless I sneak another one in, is uh, if you could do anything and you knew you wouldn't fail what would you do? Mm. And, you know, you just mentioned before about uh, being able to script out something. So, you know, I'm sure you, there's a lot of creative projects that, um, like a lot of creative projects that have been bubbling away in your mind over the last 20 years or so. <laughs> uh, so what would I, what would I do if I couldn't fail? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, creatively, I don't think there's anything. If, if there's no chance of failure, then there's no juice in it for me. You know, like, uh, mm. I love the, I, I love the idea of, uh, walking that tightrope and, uh, and if something fails then it feels awful, like we've had some horrible shows, you know, where things just completely fall apart. Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's not, but it's just, it feels awful, but then you can always bounce back the next day and have the greatest show. So when the show goes well, it feels amazing. So if there's no chance of failure, then I don't get that. I don't get that feeling when things are actually successful. But if I, you know, if it's if it's something like uh, like probably riding a motorcycle. I mean, I would love to be a biker guy and and have a huge hog and and uh, you know just roar around uh, Atlanta uh, on a Harley or something. Um, but I know too many people who work in hospitals, uh, doctors, my sister-in-law is a doctor and, uh, you know, they just, they, they refer to mo- motorcycle riders as the organ donors because that's what they mm. are. And, and I have two kids and I, uh, and I want to remain living. So yeah, I guess riding a motorcycle <laughs> is my answer. <laughs> okay. So before you said about being a pirate captain mm-hmm. on a you know on NBA TV, and that coincides with when the beard started to really <laughs> get out of control. So I'm wondering now, do you think that you're a pirate, or do you think that you're a, a biker deep inside? I'm a pirate biker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the modern version, <laughs> exactly. So I said that was the last question, but I asked Mattio this, so I want to throw it to you too. Okay. Is there anything that you want to? ask me about lee or like australian to just confirm whether he is for real or not i mean you lived here for six months so you probably have more of an idea than yeah i'll just kick that to you yeah hmm what does he say about australia i don't think so i i i know lee really well and i think part of 
part of the reason I know him, well, maybe I think I know him really well is because I lived there. And, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear on our show, the guys will, will, will sort of do a double take and, and go, what, what did you just say? Like something, some phrase that he, he just said nature strip the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And which I guess I I can't remember what you guys call it. Like the, the grass between your house and the the street. Yeah. But, um, that was one where I was like, he he hasn't lived here for so long, but I love that he's still (laughs) able to just drop these things that you guys have somehow never heard him say working with him for eight years. Yeah. Yeah. The nature strip. That's a, that's a great example. I mean, we just call it the lawn, right? Or the, um, is it the lawn or is it between, it's between the sidewalk and the road, right? Like not. So you've got the lawn and then you've got your sidewalk, yeah. which we call a footpath. Right. And then you've got extra lawn for sometimes people park a car on right. there or whatever, put their garbage there. And then there's the street. Right, right, right. So that's the nature strip. What an incredibly yeah. dumb name. Sorry, Australia. <laughs> it's just like the nature strip. It's it is like weird a slice of grass. It. Okay nature strip but but yeah i'm mean, like i'm used to like uh what do people always used to say when i was there like fair dinkum do people still say that fair dinkum that's a very like australiana thing to say like i, I guess occasionally people will say it unironically right but but usually they're trying to ham up their aussiness right, right, right. a bit when they fair say dinkum. it i mean at least in my part of the world the, the more you go into the country the more people say stuff like that unironically yeah yeah, yeah. which is great yeah yeah yeah, no, I think uh, I think I've got Lee all figured out. The guy's an open book, you know. Like he yeah. really, he really, really is, and that's uh, that's the best thing about him. Absolutely. <laughs> well, JD, thanks for joining me. It's been such a great time to hear your perspective, and I think you know, No Dunks slash the Starters and Basketball Jones have been a huge source of inspiration for a lot of content creators out there, whether it's basketball or not. Like I know I've definitely looked at the way you guys do whether it's social media or you know you go beyond the podcast to create like viral videos or clips and thinking like you know if i had the the energy and the resources like that would be a really great way to to grow these different projects that i've been connected to so i just think that um you should really be proud of, of what you've built over the years with the community and the uh the stream team then whatever you call your fans these days it's it's, it's there's there's i don't know if there's like an official term it used to be like the the tbj, the TBJ army. army yeah for many years yeah 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 the no dunkers is that you guys or is that the fans i don't know oh, that's a good question but anyway you've done a great job and it's um it's been great to to hear about your contribution to that thanks john thanks for having me thank you for listening and thanks to audio technica and manscaped if you want to follow JD on social media, you can get him at T Jason Doyle. No Dunks are at No Dunks Inc. If you want to support this show, you can do so with your five-star ratings and reviews, wherever that may be. Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, any other podcast service of choice. And if you really want to help us out, you can head over to 8Bits Kofi page. It's ko-fi.com slash we are 8Bits. A-T-E-B-I-T. And that's where you can chip in just a few dollars a month or as much as you like to help keep the emotional lights on, keep the smiles on our dials. You can catch me on social medias at Jono himself. And until next episode, keep putting in work.